welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely, by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I make of you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord. In the Holy One of Israel you shall glory. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we need to hear from you. We always do. Um, we especially do now. And Lord, we are confident that we will. Um, you say that your word will not return to you empty, but will accomplish what you intend for it to. 
We just pray, Lord, that you would um, intend this morning to give comfort, to give strength, Lord, to bring conviction and repentance, um, to bring joy and peace and all these different things, Lord. When you think about all the people in this room, um, there would be no way to know what every single person here needs, but you know them. You know their hearts. You know their lives. You know everything about them. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak as they need to hear from you, their Father. And I pray for those who don't know you yet, Lord. I pray that today would be the day that you would give newness of life, new hope. They would come here without you, and they leave with you. This is something you do, and we pray that you would. We pray, Lord, speak to your people. We're listening. We want to hear from you. Make our hearts good soil for your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Josh was talking about, all of you guys are really well aware, we did have a very difficult week, and, you know, we're not through everything, you know. Made it through one week, and we're going to continue to trust in the Lord, to continue to give grace. We're going to continue to be there for uh, Vanessa and for her family. And I know you guys are going to do that. And uh, it's a difficult week, but I also would say that I have seen God's faithfulness through it all to an amazing degree. Um, just seeing God's work again and again, the way you guys have cared for Vanessa and her family and her boys, and the way you guys have cared for one another, because there's a lot of very, very, very deep grief here. Um, really close friends of Darnell's are here. Some of his closest friends are in our church. And so, love seeing you guys care for one another. Uh, I was greatly helped, uh, just so you guys know, I wasn't able to talk about it very much uh, last week, but greatly helped by we get the news of his, his death on Friday and that we were able to gather on that Saturday and pray for all of you guys who were able to make it. I know some of you couldn't, but you were praying for us at a distance. But that was incredible. And if we wouldn't have been able to do that, then we wouldn't have been able to do Sunday morning. And if we wouldn't have done Sunday morning, we couldn't have done Monday. <laughs> it was just like, the Lord was just like continuing to give more strength as we went through the week. And uh, so thankful for seeing you guys this week. I have no idea how people get through things like this without Christ. And in addition to that, I have no idea how people get through this without the body. Because there are people that have Christ, but they don't have any kind of vital connection to his people. And... I just have no idea how that works. I don't know how you mourn by yourself, you know. There's something about being with God's people. And so I would say to some of you that are here that aren't as connected, like, don't do it alone. Like, there's so many people in this body that just want to be there for you. We've been waiting for an opportunity to be there for you, you know. And so please reach out. Reach out. If you don't know who to reach out to, reach out to me. Reach out to any of us. But we want to be there for you guys. Is we, we want to grieve properly, and we want to... the the Lord has the full effect from this that he intended. And so just like Josh was talking about, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it, What happened in the losing of Darnell and his going to be with the Lord would have its full effect in our body that God intends. So I was amazed by the way that the Lord spread the gospel this week. The amazing testimonies at his wake, it was just incredible, incredible, incredible to hear story after story of Darnell's life with the Lord, and how he had just loved everyone. So I felt a little less special because I thought he just loved me, but <laughs> I found out he loved a lot of people. And uh, those testimonies, and just uh, amazed at how Christ was proclaimed yesterday at the funeral. It was just incredible. Like, I had no idea, like, it would just be Christ all the way through. I, I don't know how common that is, that it was just all the way through. And 
the, the worship there and singing Amazing Grace and then seeing so many law enforcement officers like stand up to like clap to praise Jesus was just incredible. So anyway, amazing fruit from, from his life there. And um, please just continue to pray for those who heard the gospel yesterday that they would receive the gospel. I think many people made it clear. And, uh, and especially the law enforcement, you just feel like the hurt there was unbelievable, you know. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to get emotional, but so the place I saw the weeping, strangely, is, you know, in the bathroom. So there's all these police officers, and they're being as tough as they can be. You go in the restroom, they're crying, you know. So a lot of guys hurting, and women, in law enforcement hurting. And so just be praying that they would receive Christ. Some of them obviously know Christ, but many in our culture don't. I just would love for them to, to have those hurts healed in Jesus. Amen? And also, I just th- so thankful for the way that the Lord has upheld Vanessa. Um, we were with her last night, and the Lord is definitely holding her up. I'll tell you that with her and with his family, that we saw the peace that passes understanding. You know, which sometimes in some of the family looks like denial because it's so strong. I was like, what is this? And well, this is the thing we prayed for, <laughs> the peace that doesn't make sense. And the peace is past understanding because it's supernatural. Just keep praying. Um, but tragedy, guys, always tempts us to fear and despair. And this morning, I wanted to share a text with you that helped me this week as I was kind of processing things, and it's on the screen there. But the text is this. It's Isaiah 41, verses 9 and 10. It starts like halfway in, in verse 9. And it says, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I have this week, fast several days, just been repeating this to myself over and over again, either verbally or like really quietly under my breath so people can't hear me, or in my mind, just repeating over and over again what God says to me, what God says to you. You are my servant. I have chosen you. You are not cast off, right? Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And just repeating that over and over again. I love how first person it is. You know that it's God saying directly to you, I will, I am, I have, right? But before we dig into this, I want to do something that I think is kind of important, which is I want to first answer, how do we know this is for us? How do we know this passage is for us? Because um, if you look at verse 9, it doesn't seem to be written to us. Verse 9 says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. I think it's really important that before we really grab a hold of this, and so your whole heart can grab a hold of it, we need to make sure that we know why we as Gentile Christians can can grab a hold of this. It's somebody else's mail, right? I mean, if this is, you know, this is amazing food, you know, does it have our name on it, right? Okay? And so uh, one of the important things would be, to look into that because there's so many beautiful promises that you guys all love and I love in the Psalms and the prophets that are written to Israel. How can we know this is for us? One of the hints is in verse 8. It says it's addressed to the offspring of Abraham. These encouragements are to the offspring of Abraham. You might say, well, I'm not Jewish. It's not for me. Genesis 12, 7 says that the covenant promises to Abraham were for him and his offspring. And if you guys have time later, take a look at Galatians 3, and I'll just tell you the argument that's made in there. In Galatians 3, Paul makes the argument 
have how Gentile believers like us, non-Jews, can be included as Abraham's offspring. In, in Galatians 3.16, he says that when it says that the promises are for the offspring of Abraham, he makes this point that it's one particular offspring, singular, Jesus Christ, that he is the true offspring of Abraham, and that we, by faith, get united to Jesus, and because we're united to Jesus, we receive all the blessings promised to Abraham. That's the argument in Galatians 3 is that the true offspring of Abraham is Christ. He's the faithful one. Um, has upheld the covenant. And all the promises belong to him. By faith in him, we get united to him so that we now are the offspring of Abraham and receive all those promises. That Jesus has earned us those promises. That both Jews and Gentiles are saved and receive the promises to Abraham through faith in Jesus by being united to him. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ, you're in him, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to his promise. That's pretty straightforward there. Jesus has secured all the blessings promised to Abraham for those who trust in him. And you might say this, you might go, well, I don't know, it seems like kind of playing fast and loose, because the Old Testament includes a lot of curses too, right? There's all kinds of curses for disobedience. And it seems a little weird that, you know, you seem to be picking and choosing and saying you're going to take the Abrahamic blessings and not receive the Mosaic curses. And I say, yeah, that's the gospel. Okay, that's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus took all the curses for our disobedience so that we receive all the blessings of his obedience. Amen? And so that's why these promises can be ours, because we're in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. And so this command and these encouragements are for us. Let me read it again. And hear this as God saying this to you, Christian. He's saying this to you. It's first person. Here it is. You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice the command here. The command here is fear not. And then be not dismayed. That's the command. And it's parallelism. It's saying the two things the same. Saying fear, it says fear not, and then it says don't be dismayed. It's, it's saying the same thing twice, but it's using a different Hebrew word for the second one. The second one, uh, the be not dismayed, comes from the Hebrew word to gaze. And it has this sense of looking around for things to be afraid of. Yeah, you've done that. Yeah, I do that every morning. You know, hypervigilance, I guess. But it's like, okay, what is there to dread today? Let me make a list right? He says, don't do that. Israel guys had very legitimate reasons for fear. This is 700 BC. God had warned them repeatedly to stop worshiping idols and return to him. They continue in their rebellion and sin. The nation's in decline. War with Assyria is coming, and eventually they would be destroyed and hauled away to Babylon. They had very legitimate reasons to fear. And you know what, guys? So do we. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, we could make a list. Let's not because that would be the looking around thing we were just told not to do. But we could think of things, you know, and into that darkness and uncertainty, the Lord says this, fear not, be not dismayed, verse 10. But he doesn't tell us just to stop it, and I love this. The Lord doesn't go like, hey, you look afraid, stop it. You're being anxious, knock it off. Like, you need to quit that, now, stop. He doesn't do that with us, does he? 
He doesn't just say, stop it. What does he do? Instead, he gives us reasons for courage. He gives us seven of them. Be afraid. This could be a long message. He gives us seven of them. And they're really good reasons. It's so good. And I really honestly think that all of us need to memorize this. Okay? Memorize this. Say it to yourself as if God's saying it to you. Have it in there. So that when fear comes, when difficult times come, you could just recite this to yourself, right? We should tattoo this on the inside of our eyelids. And now you're like, okay, I'll memorize. You're like, that sounds hard. And I'm like, or the tattoo on the inside of the eyelid. It's your choice, okay? But can you imagine how helpful it will be for this to be in your heart, memorized, so that when difficulty comes, it just rolls out of your heart, and you start speaking it, start muttering it, you know, under your voice. You start praying it to other people. Let me pray for you. And, and the, you recite this first-person statement. So God gives us seven causes here for confidence. He doesn't just say stop it. He says, let me tell you how much I love you. And the first thing he says is, fear not, I have chosen you. If you're in Christ today, if you've trusted in him, I know about something that happened in your life a long, long, actually before your life, a long, long, long time ago. He chose you in eternity past before he made the world. He thought of you, he set his love upon you, and he chose you to be his child. Ephesians 1.4 says he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Okay? If you're in Christ, God did that for you. He set his love upon you then. God chose Israel, right? It wasn't Israel's idea to be God's chosen people. There wasn't a contest. There wasn't like a sign-up sheet. There was nothing like that, right? Remember how it happened? The Lord shows up at the house of a moon worshiper in Ur, in a Mesopotamian city in 2000 BC. He shows up uninvited, and he just calls Abraham to himself. He's like, I'll take that one. I'll take that much moon worshiper. I'll take that one, right? And he says this, he says, go from your kindred and your country and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you your name great so that you'll be a blessing. If you're in Christ this morning, it's because God called you like that. Having chosen you in eternity past, at some point in your life, he just came and he just called you and the Holy Spirit came inside of you and he gave you new life and the first cry of that like new birth in you was faith in Jesus Christ and you didn't choose that, you, didn't, you were just going about your business and he, he came upon you, right? He gave you new life. And, um, and there's, there's really no other explanation for your life. Otherwise, what are you doing here, you know? Like, you're worshiping Jesus, you're trusting God in tragedy, you're believing all kinds of crazy things you never believed before, you give yourself to people you didn't know before. Like, you got to explain why you're here. Like, this is weird, right? This wasn't where you were headed, and here you are, you know? And you're doing a lot of other weird stuff that you didn't used to do, because God himself has called you. Think about, like, when did he call you? Some of you guys know exactly when he called you. Maybe some of you were called just even in the last few months or years that God came into your life and just changed your whole perception and drew you to himself. Maybe some of you don't even know when it happened. You know, maybe you grew up in a Christian family, you're not sure, like, I'm there now, but I don't know how I got here. You know, that's weird, right? That just shows that it's him, right? That we might not know when it happened, but we know we're here now. And it was God. God alone did this. How can you be sure? How can you be just absolutely certain that you'll be able to face what you fear? How do you know you're going to be able to deal with the things you're dreading right now? It's because God says to you this morning, fear not, I have chosen you. That helps, doesn't it? I've chosen you. So powerful, right? He also says this, fear not, I have not cast you off. 
the Jews, the original context here, they had a lot of reason to believe they were cast off, right? Their nation's headed for judgment. Their nation's falling apart because of their sin. The Assyrians are on their border. The handwriting's on the wall. This nation is going to be destroyed. It's going to be conquered. They had reasons to feel like God had cast them off. Have you ever felt like that before? You know, when we fall into sin and we just see the consequences piling up, we can easily think that the Lord's just cast us off. He's done with us. He's had it. That's it. You know, we pushed his patience too far. And he's finally had enough of our sin. He's done with us. He's cast us off. But the promise here for those in Christ is that God keeps holding out for you. He keeps holding out his hand of grace. I love Isaiah 118. He says this. Listen to this. this is, so if you're in a place where you know, you're walking with the Lord, you've fallen into sin, and you just feel like maybe God's just done with me, or maybe if I could just kind of like get my life back together and kind of get respectable, maybe he'd have me back. That's not the way it works, by the way, because you haven't done that great on your own already, so there's no reason to believe you're going to do better later. This is the offer. Listen to this. Isaiah 118. This is what God says to you right now. He says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Isn't that great? He goes, come now. He goes, come on now. Come on. Come on now. He says, let us reason to you. He's like, let's think about this. You know? Let's see that sin. I know you see it. I see it. That's for sure, the Lord's saying. And he says, I can fix that. Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't it make sense to return? You want the sin removed? Let me give you new life. He said, come on now. Come on. Let's reason together. He says, though your sin is like scarlet, it shall be white as snow. And it's red like crimson, it shall be white as wool. He's like, this is a really good deal. (laughs) This is the best possible deal ever. Like, come on. Really? You don't want this. What do you want instead? Like, well, I want my sin. Really? Are you sure? Instead of the Lord? Instead of this love? He said, come, let us reason together. The whole book of Isaiah it's just God reaching out, and there's all these, you know, threats of judgment, but he's constantly saying, come back, come back, come back. And the book of Isaiah tells us how this is possible. The Lord can tell us that he has not cast us off, even because of our sin. He has not cast us off because he himself was cast off for us. In Isaiah 53, it says this, he was of Jesus, he was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And then all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This promise of, I have not cast you off, is fulfilled because the Lord Jesus was cast off in our place. Amen? And so he doesn't cast us off. And so we can return. The promise is, just come back. You know, Christ is saying to you this morning, fear not, I have not cast you off. Just return. Begin again. Receive his grace. He also says, third one, Verse 10, fear not, I am with you. This is so beautiful. You are never alone. You're never alone. The Lord promises, I am with you. It's actually one of Jesus' names, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was with us in our suffering. He's with us in our temptation. He's with us when we sin. 
to draw us back to himself, to forgive our sins. He's been crucified. He's been raised. He's ascended. He's reigning. He gives his spirit. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's with you. And there's a beautiful picture. Take a look at Isaiah 41, 17, because there's a beautiful picture in our chapter of what his coming to us, what his presence does to our hearts. It says this, when the poor and needy seek water. Yeah, it's so beautiful. You know, it's like this, like you're in this desert, you're in this parched land. You, you just feel so dried up. You feel like you just need the presence of God. It says this, when the poor and needy seek water and there is none, their tongue is parched with thirst. I am the Lord who will answer. I, God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land spring with water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together. Like God gives refreshment. He gives his presence anytime we ask. He's with us. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That we can receive this refreshment anytime we want. And so your God says to you this morning, fear not, I'm with you. He also says, fear not, I am your God. This is really cool. Take a look at verse 10. He says, fear, it's actually up here. Fear not, I am your God. I was thinking about this in that expression where God says, I am your God. is kind of interesting. Because we probably think more of that we belong to God. We're the Lord's people. We're his we belong to him. But it's really interesting that he says that he belongs to us, that we possess him, that he's ours. He's our possession. God is. Isn't that amazing? And he says that. It's not like somebody said that. He says, I am your God. I'm yours. Think about what kind of God he is. You know, in our confession of sin, we saw that he's a holy God. In Isaiah 40, check out Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 shows us what kind of God our God is. If God's saying, I'm your God, what kind of God is he? In Isaiah 40, verse 12, our God is infinite, verse 12. He has measured out the water in the hollow of his hands, verse 12 says. He marks off the heavens with a span. He encloses the dust of the earth in a measure and weighs out the mountains in a scale and the hills in his balance. Your God is infinite. He says, your God is like, he, he is so big and powerful that he could hold all the waters of all the seas in the palm of his hand, it says. It says that he measures out the heavens with a span. The idea is, is like in, in the old days, you'd measure something with your hand. You go one, two, three, you know, and do this measurement thing. He measures out the heavens with a span. You guys realize if our entire solar system was shrunk down to the size of a grain of sand, then the, our home galaxy, the Milky Way, so we got, we got solar systems, galaxy, universe, okay? If our solar system was the size of a grain of sand, our galaxy, just our little galaxy, would be 31 miles around that. It's crazy, right? And if our solar system was the size of a grain of sand, the next nearest galaxy would be 629 miles away. Okay, that's just the nearest one. And it says of God, our God, your God, that he can measure out the heavens with the span of his hands. He's like, how many fingers is that? You know, isn't that amazing? He says that the mountains are like dust to him. This is your God. He's infinite. Your God, the God who says, I am your God, is omniscient. Verse 13 in chapter 40. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord and given him counsel? Whom, who, whom did he counsel? 
and make him understand. Your God is omniscient. That doesn't mean that God just knows a lot of things. He's like a Google type thing. It's not that he knows a lot of things. He knows everything absolute and possible in one simple act. There's no, wait a minute, let me look, right? It's immediate. He knows everything. The God who is your God is just, verse 14, who taught him the path of justice and who taught him knowledge to show him understanding. I love that. Who taught him the path of justice? No one. (laughs) You know, God is just. It doesn't just mean that God always does the right thing. God always does the right thing and is himself the standard of what the right thing is. No one else teaches him what's right. He didn't look it up somewhere. He is the standard of justice. Your God is just. Your God is a God who reigns sovereignly over all the nations. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing, than nothing in emptiness. Your God reigns. The God who says, I'm your God, reigns sovereignly over everything. In verse 21, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told from you in the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? And then listen to this. This is your God. It says, He sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He spreads them like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing, and he makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. You know, and so many people in the world turn to just useless idols, idols of their own making, idols of their own money, idols of whatever things they're pursuing, their careers, and, or maybe their own beauty. But your God is a God who is holy and almighty. Look at verse 25. To whom will you compare me, says the Lord, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created all these things. He brings out the host by number and calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might, because he is strong in power, not one is missing. These hosts, he's talking about the stars. And and the stars on a clear night, on a very clear night, you could see 6,000 stars. But our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, has 100 billion stars. And that's just our galaxy. That's not the universe. 100 billion stars in our galaxy. But here's the thing. There's 2 trillion other galaxies So it's like 200 billion trillion stars. And it says he called them out by name. He's like scattered them out there. Made sure none of them are missing. Right? This is the God who says to you, fear not, I'm your God. (laughs) Fear not, I'm your God. He also says to us, fear not, I will strengthen you. And he says, "Uh, fear not, I will strengthen you. There's a beautiful picture of strength here. Take a look at Isaiah 40 again. It's a beautiful picture of strength. He says in Isaiah 40, verse uh, 26, he says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I worked in some eagles. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, you don't know. 
but not bad for a guy with no sports gene, <laughs> right? Yeah. Gosh, did we experience this this week? How many of you guys experienced this this week? You know, run and not faint, and then he'd give strength, and then he'd hold you together. Like, man, how he held us together. And man, how he's held together Vanessa and the family. Unbelievable. Supernatural. Right? He says, fear not, I will strengthen you. You would think like, oh, I wouldn't have the strength to deal with that. You would, though. You would. He'll be there for you. He also says, fear not, I will help you. I love this because, you know, we feel so self-sufficient. You're like, oh, no, not me. Yes, you. We feel so self-sufficient. Israel felt that way. They got very prosperous. Things were going great. They felt like they could take care of themselves. They felt very self-sufficient, very proud. And you know what takes away self-sufficiency like that is tragedy. You know, all of a sudden, you know you're weak. You know you're vulnerable. You know anything can happen. I think that's why there's a lot of fear right now, you know? What happened to Darnell? We didn't see that coming. No one saw that coming. And then you think, what else can happen, right? We're vulnerable. We're weak. We're exposed. Look at, look at Isaiah 41.14. He gives a beautiful image there of what that weakness feels like. Uh, Christina read it. He says, fear not, you worm, Jacob, <laughs> you men of Israel. That's not a put-down. That's not a put-down. He's like, you guys are so helpless and weak, like a worm, right? You feel like that? When tragedy strikes, you feel like there's no power, no defense, nothing you can do. You're just waiting to be stepped on. Wouldn't take anybody real powerful to take you out, right? The suffering leaves us feeling helpless. And when we feel that, though, guys, then we're ready for this promise. Fear not, I will help you. We're like, oh, I want that now right? And look at the amazing promise there in verse 14. Look back at it again. Remember the worm image? Listen to what he says. Look how strong the Lord will make you when he helps you. Your wormy weakness, look what it becomes. He says, fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you. You're like, oh good, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, having teeth, you shall thresh the mountains and crush them. You shall make the hills like chaff. You're like, oh, cool, threshing sledge. That's great, you know? Like, I prayed for that, you know? You don't know what that is, right? So a threshing sledge is like a board where they put all these, like, rough pieces of flint, and then you could run grain over it. It was like a big file, and it would take all the... I looked this up last night. I stayed at Holiday Inn Express. I'm an expert now. But uh, you scrape the grain, and the, the outsides of it come off, and then you have the kernel. That's a threshing flesh. It's like a big file. It's like a big flint file. So he's saying, I'm going to turn you like wormy people into this like hard, abrasive, powerful thing with sharp teeth and stuff. And he not only says that, but he says, I'm going to make you into this kind of threshing sledge that, that can like grind down mountains. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's like you're one of those like the Cat 24. It's like a gigantic tractor that can just move earth like crazy. So you go from this like little worm to, to this threshing sledge. And that's what God does. He, he turns our wormy weakness into strength. So God says, fear not, I will help you. And then lastly, he says, fear not, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is so beautiful because it, it gets more personal. 
You know, you've got, I will help you. And then he's got, you know what? I'm going to put my hand out. <laughs> Let's just hold you, right? He says, he says, fear not. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord's help here takes us in his hand, his righteous right hand. And the Lord helps us personally by holding us with his hand. You know, it's the same hand that can hold all the seas in the palm of his hand, right? It's the same hand with which he can, you know, measure out light years with the span of his hand. It's the same hand with which Jesus Christ was pierced in the hand for our sin. And he says, I'm going to hold you. He says, I got you in my hand. And guys, there's really no cause for fear here, is there? Right? No cause for fear. There's only cause for courage. Hear one more time. And hear this to you, you believers, you who are trusting in Christ. This is to you. This is God speaking to you. Take this as his word to you. You are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Guys, I just plead with you. Memorize that. Speak that to yourself. Remind yourself of that often. When trouble comes, let that just kind of bubble right out of your mouth. And do it in the first person. It's so important. Pray for other people with this. And do it in that first person so they hear God himself speaking. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for everyone that's here, Lord, and all the fears that attempt to overtake them. Fears of their safety, financial fears, fears of how to be there for friends that need comfort, fears for others in our body and how they're doing and how they'll get through. Whatever those fears are, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take comfort in this passage. You've chosen us. You've chosen us. You've not cast us off. You're with us. You've given us to yourself so that you are our God. You will help us. You will strengthen us. You will uphold us with your righteous right hand. Your son Jesus said that no one's able to take us out of your hand, Father. Let him try. No one can take us out of your hand. And we thank you for that. We pray we draw near to you as you've drawn near to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.